Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of business, and lessons learned. Boy, can override the worries and depression. Here are your Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. Happy, happy, happy Friday, Carmen. Happy Friday to you. It is uh, 1 o'clock on the West Coast. That can only mean one thing. It is Veteran Founder Podcast time. I'm your host, Josh Carter, and with me, back again, reunited and feel so good, it's Carmen Nazario. How are you? Welcome, everyone. I am doing great. I'm really excited you're here. Uh, happy Friday. Happy Friday. I'm excited that yeah. it's Friday. It's been a busy week. Yeah, that's what I hear. Uh, so we, every, if you are unfamiliar with the show and this is your first time, welcome. We are really excited that you're here. Uh, every week we bring in these amazing founders and, and people doing incredible things in business. And this week is no exception. We have Troy Thurgood of uh, Havlon Corp, and he's going to tell us a little bit about his time in the military and what uh, just t- and just talk about his entrepreneurial journey. So welcome to the show, Troy. Welcome, Thank Troy. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you. And, and, you know, every show we start off with, you know, where you're from and what compelled you to join the military. So, Troy, you're off. Well, thank you. Uh, glad to be here. So I grew up in southeastern Idaho, and uh, from a very young age, I wanted to be in the military. You know, at first I wanted to be special forces, and that first lasted until I was about 20 years old. And uh, when I enlisted, I decided not to go special forces, but I still always wanted to be that. So I enlisted in the Army National Guard at the age of 17. Nice. And started out in the field artillery, and that's where I remained for nine years. Wow. Uh, just National Guard. So Nice. So uh, we have an Army person here. Carmen is That's Army. That's right. I'm ex-Army. So you were in field artillery for nine years. Yes, ma'am. And did, were you ever deployed? I was not. Um, so I got in in 1992, and I, I actually ETS'd in, in 2000, but I missed it. And so I went back in for just another year and then realized it was about time to get out. And my unit deployed about six months later to Iraq for the first time. Mm. And then they went again uh, a couple of years later as well. But uh, that was really hard to have them deploy, and I wasn't part of that. I, I don't know. I think only people in the military can understand the camaraderie that builds in a unit. And when somebody goes off to, to do the thing that you trained for for so long and you don't, it's kind of a difficult transition. I, I didn't expect that, but it was. Interesting. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. But it's we hear interesting, that, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and and you're right. I mean, I think uh, there's this thing that develops whether you go through boot camp or you go through a school uh, within the military or you're part of a team. That camaraderie that builds. I, I mean, I I was only at my last ship for maybe a year, but I still have friends that I talk to that have been lifelong friends uh, that stayed in and be, and are still doing remarkable things in in their journey. So. Totally get that. So, what what did you do during your time uh, in the air Na- in the Army National Guard? Well, I, I enlisted and and off to basic training, and then when I got back, um, went to school, did some other things, but was always still in. When I ETSed out, I was a sergeant, and you know, I I just never really went very far with it, but uh, really enjoyed it, and I was good at it. I was good at being a soldier, and uh, 
but it taught me so many great lessons. And, and the, the thing I loved the most about the field artillery was just the power behind that, you know, compared to like a battleship or a destroyer, maybe not so much power, but that's a very big cannon. And it's a lot of fun to shoot and, and just to have a good time. Not much for life skills, but it was cool. To, it was fun to do while it lasted. <laughs> that's funny you say that because I remember uh, we would do live uh, fire operations on our ship, and it was the it was the most fun I've ever had. Like anytime you shoot a gun that has to be strapped down to the deck, like that's just fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so you spent nine years field artillery. Uh, what, what did you think you were going to do when you got out? Well, you know, I always wanted to go into law and I was in college. I was working for an attorney. I'd worked for an attorney for about six years and really liked the legal realm of things and, and was really interested in that. And so I decided to pursue a degree in English with the anticipation that, you know, writing and speaking and arguing would be a good background to have. And, and I, it just turned out that wasn't the right way to go. And so I ended up doing it. I got my degree in English and I turned around and got a degree in accounting and I, I never realized where, where I would quite end up all this time wanting to be an attorney, you know, for a long time, even while I was in the military. And it was great. I was grateful that the military helped pay for some school and things like that. But in the end, all of that background came to help me with what I do now, and and it's amazing to me. I mean, people say all the time, and I was listening to a podcast that you guys did. I, I can't remember the name of the person, but I was listening to it the other day, and she talked about how everything kind of builds into you needed it all to happen to do what you're doing today, and that's exactly how I felt with the military, with my English degree, with my accounting degree, everything. So yeah. it's amazing. It's real. It's remarkable what happens. Yeah. So. So you have two degrees then. You do have the English one and also the accounting. Do you like the accounting? You know, I I really do like accounting. I'm kind of a nerd. And mm-hmm. it's funny because here I am running this company, and I don't do a lot of accounting, and you would think I would pass some of that off. But all of a sudden, a new project comes up to do accounting-type work, and I'm all over it, and I'm thinking I shouldn't be doing this. But I kind of am a nerd, and I like doing the accounting side. The English side was a little bit too liberal for me. You know, I never quite knew the right answers because it's so subjective. And and I really liked the the science side of accounting. And so I would, well, probably my, my accounting degree was my favorite degree to get. But both of them have been very, very, very helpful to me. So You know, Karma, one of the things that I talk to founders a lot is the importance of understanding how all that stuff works. And uh, when I went through, to talk about yeah, that. and when I went through TechStars, we had uh, an MD. His name's Troy Hanikoff. He created Sure Payroll. Just if you want to talk about accounting nerds, that guy's a big time accounting nerd. But one of the things that he taught us was how to build a financial model. I had never mm. done that before. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, as a as a founder, that is the most important thing to it, understanding the health of your business is, is to build a financial model. Would you agree with that, Troy? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, that's interesting. You said, sure, payroll. I use them. And for whatever it's worth, I'm going to give them a shout out because it's just amazing software and technology they have. So I love it. Yeah. Troy, Troy's good people. He's not with them anymore, but he's certainly laid the brickwork to, uh, to what they're doing today. Uh, so, so you get out of school. What did you do when you got out of the military and, and when you got done with school? So by the time I got out of the military, I had a family. My, my oldest was probably, let's see, she would have been five years old. I had my son. He uh, would have been, 
let's see, he would have been about three years old, and my youngest wasn't even quite born yet. She was born shortly after I got out. And so here I have this little family, and, and uh, I was just going to school and finished up my, my second, my accounting degree, my second one, right after I got out of military. And so I went right to work in an accounting firm, a very small local firm, just doing accounting, taxes, and uh, just started down the road of working and and uh, just worked there for a couple of years and then went out on my own to do accounting and, and some trucking stuff, which is what, what we do with another company I own called Thurcorp. And it's kind of been, everything's been interesting since then, so... Nice. So when, when you got into sort of the work world, so to speak, what do you think you took from the military to help set you up for success? I would say there's two things. Number one, the discipline side. To this day, and I, I know this is a big push in leadership today, and, and maybe the way that sometimes you saw in the military wasn't the most effective leadership, but the idea that you know, I could be screamed at by somebody and I didn't take it personally. Yeah. I've always missed, I've always missed that because in the real world, you don't get to do that, right? You can't scream at people and have them, have them not take it personal. Right. And I've missed that part. And that discipline was huge. The second thing um, was the fact that, you know, I can do really hard things and, and setting up a business and running a business requires metal that I never, ever thought would be tested. I didn't even know it existed. But the military gave me that background to say, you can do hard things. Don't be afraid of fear. Yeah. Well, well I think yeah. that also makes it, it means that uh, or it, that background, that ability to sort of put into context uh, what is stressful and what is not, I think makes veterans very hireable too, right? Because like you go through things in the military, you'll never go through again. And then you go to the work world and someone's stressed out about something, you just shake your head going, this is not stressful at all, right? <laughs> so the, the ability to kind of put all that into context is, is exactly what makes veterans so appealing as a hi- from a hiring perspective. I agree. And, you know, in, in light of that, it, I, didn't, I didn't face the same kind of stress that people have faced that have been in combat. Sure. And, and, I'm, I'm, and I feel unfortunate I didn't get to do that. But at the same time, there is a certain stress that comes even in non-combat that, that just it's only focused on the military. And it really doesn't make any sense except for people who have been there. And there is a certain stress level, and basic training is your first introduction to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely. Well, I mean, they're, they're breaking you down to build you the way you're supposed to operate. So regardless of the fact that you didn't go into see combat per se, you were ready for it if it did come. And that's the point, that's right. right? Like you, you got the training and and the background mm-hmm. that if it ever did come, you were ready for it. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Yeah, somebody, and I was grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. somebody on our show um, um, said they break you down and then they build you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really do. <laughs> they they yeah. do. Uh, and you know what? It's funny. I, we were talking about this before. Accelerators are the same, operate in the same way, right? It's three months. And you go through a program like, uh, you know, Techstars or 500 Startups or Y Combinator, they pretty much do the same thing. So you go through this accounting job. What's next? Well, so I went into this accounting job, and this guy, really nice guy, still a friend of mine, he said, hey, you know, you're going to be a partner in like five years, and all these great things are going to happen. And I didn't realize, even though I'd worked with him a little bit, that it was a very... um, it was an office where only his family was really going to thrive and it was never going to be me. And it got to the point to where 
I just really knew it was time to do something else. And I had been introduced to trucking and trucking was, you know, a guy walks in one day back in 2004 and he says, I need, I, I need my own operating authority. And I'm like, oh, I don't even know what that is, but I'm smart enough to figure it out. And gratefully the internet was, you know, in its prime a little bit then, at least in the early stages. So I was able to dig in and figure it out. And, and when I decided to leave in 2005, we'd had kind of a falling out and, and there was kind of some challenges. So at the, at the end of tax year, the end of tax season in 2005, I gave my notice and I, and I went out on my own and I thought, well, I just, you know, I've got a few trucks I can help manage their safety and their DOT compliance and I can do their fuel tax filings and their registrations and I can do taxes and I can do accounting and bookkeeping and I can do all these things and I'll just work out of my home and it'll be just fine. <laughs> and it was. It, wow. it worked out okay yeah. until it didn't anymore, right? So right. <laughs> that's where I started, but yeah. I love that, that though, that just sort of this un- unbridled, uh, just ready to go. Right. Like, there's no fear. Just push your chips all in right yeah. away. Tax season was probably great, and then tax season ended. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what, yeah. what compelled you to do something like that? Most people that I've talked to, at least, especially in, in my own founder story, was you know, m- mitigate your risk as much as you possibly could. You had sort of the opposite feeling here. Well, I, I knew that I wanted to helped people, right? Mm-hmm. And trucking was kind of a fit between, and side note here, Havlon, which is the original company that, that we talked, that we that you mentioned when we first came on. Yeah. I started that a couple of years later and, and it's still chugging along, but it really, by any means. And so I, I just knew that I could help people and trucking brought in accounting, which was my background. It brought in law and understanding regulations and learning how to communicate with people and really not try to make anyone too mad because when you're dealing with people in my business anyway, maybe it's the case in a lot of businesses, I can't really burn any bridges. And, and my clients who are trucking companies, they can burn a lot of bridges pretty quick if they're not careful. Yeah. And so I'm the guy who says, look, I can go in and not burn this bridge and I can get things done and I can figure out suggestions. I can figure out solutions and I can make your life easier. And I really enjoyed that. And I had a knack for doing it. And so it was really an easy transition for me. Like I said, I started out doing kind of some tax returns for what they call fuel taxes in the trucking world. And that wasn't really complex. And then I did registrations and that wasn't really complex. And then it just kind of morphed into safety and compliance and consulting and, and helping people solve really big problems when it came to their trucking business in general. And it was just a fun fit for me. I And nobody else was doing it. Uh, very few competitors out there in my business. And and so I just kind of launched into it and found a good fit. I love it. We've been talking to Troy Thurgood of uh, Thurcorp, CEO, and also the CEO of Havlon Corporation. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. CPA dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. And we're back with uh, Troy Thurgood. Uh, so Thurcorp, that's a very uh, original name. 
<laughs> where, I, I'm not going to ask where you got that name. Typically, we ask that of all our founders, but uh, but I guess I don't need to ask that question. So mark that one off. That's you know that's funny you say that's a clever name because I didn't ever think it was that clever. It was kind of a default type thing. So. No, no, it's I. Uh, I think it's clever. I think it's very clever. I and I'm just being facetious here, but I, I think what what. Uh, What's interesting is most people spend a lot of time, especially in the startup world, right? Mm-hmm. And we see this all the time. Like people search for words that aren't searchable so that when they name their company that name, it's easy to find it. You just got to do it by default. Right. That's true. I never thought about that before. That's a great perspective. Yeah. So uh, is so do you, is Third Corp the primary company and Havlon um, a second company? How does that work? Because you've got yes. Havlon. So Third Corp so, is still your primary uh, company, would you say? Yes. Like, I'll say Third Corp is what keeps Havlon alive, because if I didn't have Third Corp, I would have been in bankruptcy years ago. Okay, I was going to say um, the breadwinner. Uh, that's yeah. right, that's right. So I started out with a little company called, and this was even more original, Josh, Thurgood Business Services. I know. Just just hang on to that one for a few minutes. I, I, I like that uh, Or T- TBS, right? Yeah, because your name has that. <laughs> That's right. And, it, and I did have another company called TBS. But anyway, <laughs> so that was my accounting business. And and I had a an old high school counselor call me one day. And he said, hey, I have a very interested customer in a product I've been introduced to. And I thought you might want to get in on it. And I said, well, well, who's your interested customer? And he said, the Department of Defense. Nice. And I said, well, what's the product? And he said, it's, it's this hand sanitizer. I said, well, let's, let's sit down and meet. And so we launched a company called, and, and because of the amount of letters in this word, we changed it, but it was Pure Distribution International Incorporated. That's a mouthful. That was not my choice. That was his. And, and, and so we started what the predecessor to Havlon was. And what really happened there, it was kind of unfortunate I put in a whole bunch of money and my partner put in no money and I put in a whole bunch of time and my partner put in no time. And pretty soon he said, I'm out. And I was glad because I had put in all this money and time. Sure. I had, you know, put my house on the line and done all these things to get this thing going. And to this day, I'll never recover the amount of money we put into it. But, but what it did for me was it really got me thinking what I needed to do when I was start running a real company. And third corp has been that proving ground. And so Havlon has, it's always chugged along. We sell a hand sanitizer. Marine Corps buys it quite often. Not nice. huge amounts, but a yeah. little bit. And we just have a good time with it, and it comes in every once in a while. But Third Corp, yes, Carmen, is the main breadwinner, and, and it launched after Havlon. But it was, it's been successful because of Havlon, I think. So. so so Havlon, I like that name. Tell, tell us about that name as well. Yeah, so my, I always thought Havlon was very creative, and I have to give all of the credit to my wife on that. And, and Josh, you mentioned that we spend so much time looking for words that no one can search and all these other things, and I have been doing that for a good solid year. <laughs> and one night, my wife, I can still see where it was. She was sitting there in the chair, and she said, what about Havlon? I'm like, how do you spell it? And she said, H-A-V-L-O-N. And I said, I love it. Let's do it. And it's stuck, and it's really been it's been a fun name to have, and it's been a fun company, even though it's caused me a lot of stress. So yeah. So it, it, does it have a meaning of that word? Because not a single meaning. It okay. is just a random word. Yeah. Okay. It's like Twilio or Nexmo or Uber or Google or yeah. Yahoo, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. So you said That's something. Right. There's something really interesting. You said that this uh, old professor 
put you in touch. He had an opportunity, but it came about through the Department of Defense. Was that right? That's right. It's, he had taken this hand sanitizer, which started in Utah as a multi-level marketing thing, and he had taken this hand sanitizer down to a trade show in Albuquerque, at where the where it was a military trade show, and and that he had a really positive review of the product. People really liked it. Well, the problem was he didn't know how to set up. Back then, it was called CCR, Central Contractor Registration. He didn't have a clue about how to set up these government contracts. He didn't know how to negotiate contracts. He didn't know how to do any accounting or anything like that. So he brought me in. I could set up an LLC or a corporation. I could figure out these systems and get us all registered. And and we just went to work like that and met people along the way. And and it was just, it's, it, I loved it. I loved going to the trade shows where the military people were. There was just something there that I loved. I've gone to trucking trade shows, and I don't love those, but I've always loved the military ones. I haven't been able to go for some years now, but I loved it. It seems like you got really lucky in, in being able to interface with the DOD very simply, and a lot of companies don't get that opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure, Carmen, you can attest to that. It's really difficult uh, to get into government contracting it's just a lot of red tape a lot of bureaucracy a lot of mm-hmm. like networking it seems like you had figured that out pretty quickly what do you think was the thing that was sort of the, that aha moment or the that you attribute to such being so so lucky you know i was just going to say luck was a huge part of it we i remember the first trade show i went to we were in norfolk virginia and this would have been let's see I want to say about 2007, maybe March of 2007. And we go to this trade show, and my eyes are as big as can be. I'm so excited I can hardly stand it. You know, every person's going to buy this product, and, and they're just going to love it the minute they see it. The biggest challenge I found, and it has remained a challenge, is finding the people who can make the buying decisions. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is tough in the U.S. military. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so we went to all these shows. I spent so much money in 2007. And then we're, I'm over in, uh, in Frederick, Maryland at Fort Detrick at another trade conference. There's about 30 of us vendors there. And this lady came up to me and she said, how come you don't have a national stock number? And I said, I have been trying to get one of those. I don't know who to contact. And she said, well, you are talking to the right person. I will get you national stock numbers. Nice. It was an absolute stroke of luck. And it was the best thing that ever happened because now I could sell stuff. Yeah. And it, it was just amazing. Wow. So how... Uh, Knowing what you know now, how would you have approached that differently and, and gotten that number or found the resources you needed to get that number? In order to get a national stock number, you have to get in touch with someone who can who knows how to get you or get one requested for you. I don't know how to find those people because it got handed to me. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Carmen gonna, knows. Well, I think you can contact all of your local agencies, like um, PTAC. Have you heard of PTAC, which is a... Yeah, PTAC a, agencies came out later on, but yes. Yes, yeah. and even the SBA, somebody, you know, even at headquarter level, if the local SBA did not know. Uh, but I think PTAC uh, is a good resource, um, you know, to find out those things. And I think you, you kind of said it, you know, attending, attending any type of business event or network event is really I've I'm a business owner myself and that's how I figured things out yeah 
you meet people that tell you this, the connection and the networking is how you find out about things. So I, wanna, I totally agree with that. You touched on something earlier, Troy, about uh, founder. And I want to talk about that because a lot of people don't understand uh, how important it is to find the right people early on in your company. Mm-hmm. No, going through all of that that you went with your partner, how do you go about learning how you bring in more people into your business today? So that's a really great question, and I've been, re- I've been reading about this and studying it for the last little while. At Third Corp, it, you know, we launched into something that became a, a business that just worked really, really well, really quickly. We grew from about 40 trucks to nearly 1,000 trucks, Whoa. and it's all by word of mouth. We've never done any advertising for nice. it. Nice. And we're all over the country, and we do really good work. And that's, that's great, right? That's great to do great work, and it's great to be proud of that work. But the, one of the challenges is with that growth comes the need for more people. And, and how do you find the people that fit in your business, and how do you keep those people? And do they fit with your clients? How do you find the right clients? You don't have to have every right client, right? Every, client, right. every potential client is not a good client for you necessarily. So I've been reading this book called um, Traction, and it, it introduces a program called the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And it specifically talks about the need to outline your vision first. What do you as the business owner want to achieve? What's your three-year look like? What's your five-year? What's your 10-year look like? And then what you do is you start building values. What are your core values? And, and, and they said it's really easy to get caught up in other people's core values and use them as your own. And it will fail every time. They said, you've got to figure out what's, what's really important to you. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, then you can start vetting people to work for you that have those same values and that are willing to go the same place your vision ta- is taking your company. And I'll tell you, I didn't think it would happen. I, I'd had some challenges with hiring people. I started this program. I outlined my vision. I identified my, my, uh, my core values. And people started coming out of the woodwork. Nice. It was the most miraculous thing I've ever seen. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I think that's really important, too, because mm-hmm. it wouldn't, one, it sets the tone, right? You're setting the culture for your business, what you find is important. And when you're really clear about that, then the people that you bring in, you know, have those same values at heart. Uh, there was a book that I was handed my first day at Twilio by Jeff Lawson. Uh, it's not by Jeff Lawson, but he handed it to me. And it was... Uh, Start with why by Sam, Simon Sinek. And it's the same thing, right? If you don't understand why you're doing something and setting those core values, it's really difficult for you to get anybody to follow mm-hmm. what it is you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Because you, you, Absolutely. You, you need your people to be engaged in your vision so that the vision can be realized. Yeah, 100% and, and agree with that. And the mission accomplished. Yeah. And understand uh, the, the mission live the mission in the company. Yeah. Okay. No, absolutely. It's it's, it's one of those things that uh, is supremely important. We've been talking to Troy Thurgood. He is a serial founder. We'll just put it that way, right? Two, two companies you're running concurrently. Uh, we're going to take yeah. another commercial break, and we will be back right after these messages. Today's episode of The Veteran Startups is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. For instance, 
media relations. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this. Press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Carmen and Josh sent you. And we're back with Troy Thurgood. Uh, he was just telling us about setting culture in the business. I'm really interested to hear more about that, Troy. But I want to get in a little de- bit deeper about why hand sanitizer. Like that seems, <laughs> of all the things to sell the military, which, don't get me wrong, is the right thing to sell them. But why why hand sanitizer? <laughs> you know, I think what, what you're looking at there is, is my naivety yeah. when it comes to Understanding what what uh, sells and what doesn't sell very easily to the U.S. government or the military. Hey, if you've been doing and it for twelve years, you like figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> it only took me, you know, a ridiculous amount of money. But uh, <laughs> when my partner when my partner introduced me to it, it was a, it's a, it's an amazing product, and and there is nothing like it on the market. And to this day, this product was developed back in two thousand five, two thousand six, and to this day, it's never been duplicated. It's an amazing product. Well, we knew that Gojo had the, the lock on the U.S. military, and the alcohol, and people complained about the alcohol, and it was a hazardous material, and it exploded, and people were using it in, in, in uh, Molotov cocktails in Iraq, and there was all kinds of problems with this alcohol-based hand sanitizer. And so when we, when we came to them with this really great product, they were really interested. The problem was they weren't willing to pay the price for it. Sure because it is a more expensive product. Now, we've worked through that, and there's, there's some entities, obviously, like I said, the Marine Corps buys quite a bit. They've worked through that. But you know what's interesting is I never really knew much about biology or, or science or anything like that. Hand sanitizer has been a fascinating journey. It's really quite interesting. And, and all the things that, all the different bacteria that's out there that hand sanitizer is supposed to help, help defend against. So it's been kind of a fun journey to learn a new environment. But. So what kind of ingredients does it have? Uh, are, would, would you say, uh, does it have uh, natural ingredients? I know It has. Mm-hmm. So the, the primary ingredient of most hand sanitizer is alcohol. And alcohol is great. It kills bacteria. There's no question about that. But once alcohol evaporates, it no longer is effective. So what a chemist, this guy, this chemist is, is, was from Weber State University in Ogden, Utah. He had come up with this formulation years before, and he'd just never done anything with it. He's just like this, this inventor who came up with things. His name is Ed Walker. Really, really interesting guy. Really, really nice guy, too. And he came up with a product that's, that's based in benzothonium chloride. And the cool thing about benzothonium chloride and what Ed Walker was able to do with it was that it it's really hard to formulate in the amount of, in the concentration that the FDA allows you to use. Well, Ed Walker figured out how to do it. And I think to this day, we're the only company that has that. Wow. And, mm-hmm. and it's really an interesting, an interesting thing. We work with a company called PureWorks. And PureWorks sells the same product that we do. We just private label it and we sell it to the U.S. military exclusively. Yeah, we sell it to some other people as well, but, but our contract with PureWorks is specifically U.S. military. And so, you know, it's benzothonium chloride. It's a quaternary ammonium compound. 
And it, when it goes on your hands, it stays there for a while, and it keeps fighting bacteria if you shake people's hands or touch keyboards or open a door or whatever you do. And, and it's just a great product, and it kills a lot of bacteria. How can, if you're not in the military, how can people find this product, or is it available for retail? It, it is available for retail. It's on our website. Now, I want to put a, a clause in there. For some reason, my, my store isn't working. I don't know what's wrong with my credit card acceptance, so I'm trying to get that fixed. But you can find it on my website at Havlon.com. That's H-A-V-L-O-N, November, Havlon.com. And, uh, you know, I, I can send it to you. You know, no problem. I'm happy to sell it. No big deal to me. Yeah. It's just we've never focused on the on the retail market. We focused on the military, which to my chagrin was a mistake. I should have really? focused on retail as well. But we thought we could just get in the military and sell, and that proved to be very difficult. So That's really interesting because, you know, every week, Carmen, we talk right. about this. Like, you find your niche. You find your lane to stay in and get really good at it before you expand out. It's really interesting to me to hear a founder say, we should have done both. Right, like we 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 spent all this, and I, I've said this on this program before, where Jeff Bezos went out and said we're going to be the biggest bookstore in the world, and when he was, then he expanded. Right, he didn't start with drones right. and all this other stuff. So it's really interesting to hear you say that you wish you would have done both. Do you think you would have had the scale to do both successfully? Yes, I do, because yeah. the scale was zero for about three years. Sure, and <laughs> we didn't sell a single thing for three years because we didn't have the national stock number, and and it was hard to find out who the buyers were. And so, yes, I think we could have easily filled retail orders, um, but we were competing with a, with a multi-level marketing company, PureWorks, right. who wanted to sell retail. And so we, we had this exclusive contract, and I really didn't feel like we could violate that, and I, and I would never would want to do that anyway. Now, PureWorks does their thing, and we do our thing, and we buy, this, we buy the product from them, and it works out fine. We're not some massive company out there taking business from a whole bunch of people. Sure. We're just a tiny, little – I mean, it, it – if there's an infant, we're smaller than the infant company as far as Havlon goes, even though we're 12 years old. And, you know, that's where I just focused on Thurcorp. That was finding my niche. That was growing something I knew. Right. Right. So I, I looked at the Thurcorp website, and something interesting I see is that you offer this free book, 20 Steps to Setting Up a Successful Trucking Company. So... Tell us about that. Is this a book you wrote? We did. We wrote that. And, and what we wanted to do was we wanted to give guys who are looking, or not guys, but people who are looking to set up their own trucking company, there is a lot of complexity in, in trucking. It, to say it's complex is an understatement. And so, you know, you work with the Department of Transportation and they say, well, this is really easy. You should be able to follow all this and this and this. And that's great, but what about how do you register your truck? What about all the fuel taxes? What about your heavy vehicle use tax with the IRS? And what we tried to do with that book is say, look, here is a big 50,000-foot level view of what you can expect. And it's not just getting a DOT number. There's a lot more to it. And here are some roadmaps that will take you down the right path to get you to where you need to go. We don't, in that book, necessarily show you how to set up your trucking company or how to register your truck. We talk about very general principles that outline things that you need to know before you start. Wow, that's great. What, what compelled you to, to write a book about it, though? Well, I mentioned earlier that we, we had grown exponentially just by word of mouth, and we've loved that. But it's time to start marketing and, and really get into marketing. And so we wanted to develop something 
that we could get our, our name out there, that would show people who we are, and if we can be of help to them, we will be. If they just take our book and use it, that's great too. But I think what people will find is when they look through that book, the complexity is, is deep, and that's not even complex. And so if they'll call us, we can help them. And, and that ranges from setting up their LLC or their corporation to getting their DOT number to registering their truck and setting up all their taxes, taking them from A to Z and putting them on the road so they still run, run loads and make money. Nice. That's what we're here to do. And so have you measured the results of, um, of putting that book out in terms of marketing? Has well, it- this might surprise you. The website you're looking at is only about a week old. We just barely launched that website and barely launched our marketing. And, and we're still in that very early stage of it. Our website prior to that was very utility. And it was built specifically for us to use, for our clients to use. It wasn't built to get business or get our name out there. And so we developed this whole new website, which I think my developers did a fantastic job. It's a great-looking website. I'm really proud of it. I wish I could claim that I did it, but I can't. And, and they just did a great job, and we're very excited about the prospects. We're, we're looking at going out and doing some education with trucking companies or with people who want to set up their trucking company and go into a lot more depth about things that we do with them or do for them or things they need to be aware of. So we're really excited about the education side of this. There's just so much knowledge to be had that if we can simplify it, make it easier, I think people would be very benefited by it. Yeah, it's a great website. I love the logo, and I love the tagline that says the Trucking Compliance Experts. So for our audience, uh, this website is thurcorp.com. I'm I'm thinking this is going to really bring you... A lot of business. I'm yeah. offering that book, and then um, just uh, offering the services you offer. Um, it's uh, I bet it's, it'll be interesting to talk to you a year from now. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm really curious. So you have this really sort of uh, sort of ancillary business, this hand sanitizing. You have a trucking company. Uh, what's what's next for you? What, what do you? Where do you see this going in the next say five years? Well, you know, the hand sanitizer, it's funny because it is such a small thing that every time, and my, my family will attest to this, I will say the words, I think I'm just going to close up shop, and I'll get an order for, you know, five or six boxes. Mm-hmm. And it, it just took the long like this. It's just like the, the little engine that never could quit. Yeah. And, and yet it doesn't bring me any re- and, and there's no profit here at all. So I don't know where that's going to go. You know, I've, I've thought, man, if I could get, Third Corp really settled to where I'd have more time. I would love to push have one because I think it's a great product, but I just don't have the time. Sure. So with Third Corp, what I want to do is, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, we really want to get into the education side of this. Um, there are when you, when you get into the trucking, you know it's difficult. But when you get into hazardous material movement, when you get into fuel tax audits, it is so so much information. And so we're really excited about these, these new seminars we're going to be putting together and, and teaching people on webinars and in person and hopefully going to some different cities and putting on shows that people can come in and learn how to run their company better, how to even set it up in the first place. And not only, you know, we're interested in making money, but at the same time, I'm really interested in people knowing how to uh, apply the DOT regulations to their specific situation. 
Hmm. Sometimes these trucking companies get to where they, they don't want to follow the rules because they're too complicated. Well, let's simplify them then. Let's figure out systems that you can use to simplify those, teach those to you, and then you can, you can implement them and use them and follow the rules and be profitable all at the same time. So we're really interested, really anxious about that. Very excited. That's awesome. I love it. Um, we're going to take our third quick commercial break. We ready for that all on? I didn't mean to spring it on you like that. We're going to take our third commercial break. We will be right back. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com forward slash startup radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code startupruby. And we're back with Troy Thurgood. Uh, we have like a few minutes left. I really want to get into the lessons learned, right? Like what, right. what uh, yeah, I ask this every week of every entrepreneur, what is the one thing that you've so screwed up badly that you said, I'm never going to do this again. And what have you done to mitigate the risk of you having that problem again? You know, two things come to mind immediately, which tells you how, how uh, valuable lessons they were. The first one happened in 2007 when we went to our very first conference. And I knew there were going to be 5,000 people at this conference with the military for Havlon. And I just had in my mind 500 people buying this product, you know. This was going to be on 25 different ships all, all that weekend. And not a single sale came for three years. And I just didn't understand the need or the value of marketing and understanding the market and seeing what I needed to do to figure out how to sell it. Right. That was, that was my, biggest, my biggest mistake there. And I paid dearly for it. Um, the second thing is, and this may sound strange, but I haven't been a very effective leader. And I'm learning that differently. And I'm not a bad leader. That's not the case. But, but I haven't led as effectively as I needed to because I didn't know how to lead very effectively. Right. And the thing, that I needed, the thing I needed to do was to read and learn and talk to people who had learned those things and really apply them. Because once I figured out how to lead, everything started coming together exactly like it should have. Nice. And it's, it's the best thing I've ever learned, sales and leadership. Those are the two biggest lessons I've learned in this business that I wish I could have not had, but I'm glad I did because I learned a lot. What's interesting to me is uh, you know, a lot of the founders that I've talked to, people that are really uh, successful, most of them have mentors, right? People that help put everything into context first and foremost and somebody that they can really leverage a lot of their experience to make sure that they are doing what they're supposed to be doing and doing it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're smarter than I am because I didn't make that just decision. And so I just learned the hard way, which is kind of how my thick head learns in the first place. But <laughs> that's the best thing they could ever do, right? So There are books and videos and courses and colleges, and, and people still get it wrong. I get it wrong. I've gotten it wrong, too. So you're not the only one out there. Uh, so what, what out of the military experience do you think helped you? And we talked a little bit about the hiring piece of it, but what do you think of the military gave you – the, the tools to be a good entrepreneur. I said this earlier, and that is it taught me to not fear, not be afraid of fear. You yeah. Know, every day, entrepreneurs face devastating fear. And whether they learn to live with it or not, they always face it, I've decided. Because no, nothing is ever just going perfectly smooth. 
Right. And and it's one thing to say, look, you know, I'm very afraid. I'm going to collapse and go into my shell. It's another thing to say, I'm scared out of my mind, but I'm not going to give up. Mm-hmm. Because if I give up, then I lose. I remember mm-hmm. seeing a meme recently, and I, I think I posted it anyway. I need to post on my website what I should do, but it was a picture of, of some soldiers who were in a combat situation, and the quote said, usually the best way around something is through it, mm-hmm. right? They're facing an, an entourage of bullets, and they're just going straight through the objective. And, and that is what you have to do in business. You have to go straight through it all the time. I love and don't that. be afraid of it. Yeah, I love that. Troy, where can people find you online? They can find us on, on, uh, on online at www.thurcorp.com. That's T-H-U-R-C-O-R-P.com. And if they want the hand sanitizer, go on, our, go on my website, and, and I'll get that credit card thing fixed like it should have been fixed a month ago. And, and they can order that. That's Havlon.com, H-A-V, like Victor, L-O-N, November, Havlon.com. Troy, it's, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Spend the last 45 minutes listening to your story. It's been really compelling, and, uh, and I wish you all the luck in the world, man. Same here, Thank Troy. Thank you, both, Josh and Carmen. It's been a great time for me. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, we've been listening to uh, Troy Thurgood, and uh, go check out his stuff. It's really cool. Uh, you've been listening to the Veteran Founder Podcast. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific time on the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, get shit done. We'll see you guys next week. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.